Welcome, and thank you for listening to the New Day Podcast. We are located in South Kansas City, proclaiming the good news of God's grace to our region and abroad. If you'd like more information, please visit our website, newdaykc.org. One more time. God, speak to us by your word this morning. The rain and the snow come down from heaven, water the earth. And so shall be the word that you've spoken. It comes down and it waters my earth. Let us glimpse a bit of you this morning. As we continue our study in 1 John, open up the scriptures, open up the eyes of our understanding. Let the enlightenment to our heart come. Lord, help our faith to receive revelation of who you are, that they might kiss and Jesus might be pronounced the king of our hearts. Amen. Well, looking in at the studies in 1 John and how we practice living eternal life here, that we're eternal beings here, and there's a call in, in, as John writes, remember this goes way back, so we've been on this for a few months now, and uh, remember that this is, John is an old man writing this letter to encourage the church, and he goes even further back through his lifetime and touches when he first started interacting with the Son of God. And it's amazing, that which we've seen and heard and handled. I just, it's just almost mind-boggling. Here's this 90-year-old guy explaining this to other people and how precious it is that they've received the knowledge of God. And uh, he describes our relationship and our co-union with Christ and about knowing him and what that means for us. And uh, I don't know if you've noticed it or you've been tracking it, but John's letter is so personal. It's just so deeply personal. He's writing as a father, you know, he names us children and then young men and, and other fathers. And it's almost as though he speaks to each of us as individuals when he's writing it. I, as I was going through the letter, and yet, almost all of the letter is in plural, not in singular. He's not writing to a person, he's writing to a church. Um, some believe it was the church in Persia that he was writing to. I, I don't know. I can't. I tried to drag that through my research and everything, and I couldn't find that out for sure. Um, but it, we do know this. He is addressing a group of believers, at least in Ephesus, where he was at, together. They were together, and he was addressing them together. So the the Bible is written in that tense that calls it we, us, our. And uh, what would be called today, he's writing to this thing called church. Um, when we talk about church, we have to recognize that using the word church connotes something differently today than it did back at the time of the writing that he was doing it in. Uh, let me explain what I mean. In the writing of the New Testament, the idea of church was a new idea. It hadn't been practiced. Um, for Hebrews, if you wanted to worship God, uh, you, you went to the temple or the synagogue. 
And you went to a place to do that. And under new covenant, God said, I will be in your midst. Remember that wherever two or more are gathered together in my name. And so this idea of church, it was new. Now, for us, it's not new. Matter of fact, for us, it has a history that defines something that is much more universal. The idea of church, uh, the criticism of church, the institution of church, all the different things that we know, um, the projects that church does, the way it leads in society uh, from religion to buildings. There's that church on the corner. How come we have so many churches, we say today, to people? Or oftentimes what we mean by church, we're church leaders. The church, and then when there's criticism in our hearts, the church did the, there's, gets to be accusation regarding church. Nevertheless, the concepts and ideas that John was writing about and what the Holy Spirit is trying to generate into our hearts as believers, you and I together, is important. It's still relevant. It still matters. It's life-giving to the us that it uses. Us being you and I together, not just individual reading it. Um, Isn't it funny, even the word, as we read it and receive it together corporately as a group, it takes on complete different meanings, wholesome meanings. Full meanings, the the expanse of what it meant. Um, John was not writing to an individual person. He was not telling one individual group of people how to walk out their faith. He was explaining to a group. And don't you know when he was writing it under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he was going to go, this is going to go to many. Because he knew the principles of what God had used in his own life. As I share this with these, these will share it with other these. And the these become them, and the them becomes us. And the us becomes the church, Jesus here on the earth. God's idea. Um, in, in saying that, whenever one of us isn't here anymore, it affects all of us. So some of you knew this man, uh, he got COVID a couple of months ago and didn't, went through all the treatment and everything. His name's Steve Mangimelli, and he went home to be with Jesus yesterday. It's a sting, it's horrible. Steve was a good friend of mine, knew him for years, and uh, he was a private man, and most people really, a few people knew of his military background, but like, he, he was the highest rank of non-commissioned officers that you can make in the Marines. <laughs> to be at that level as a Marine, and you everything that when your mind goes to what Marines are like, that was Steve, but he never talked about it, hardly to anybody. I mean, privately he would with me, about his career and what he went through and what he did. And he was a brilliant man, still is. Now he's just brilliant in heaven. He was, he was a computer guru and a genius he loved guns he would talk to me about guns and I don't know very much about them except they go bang and do great harm to things I'm not against them I have one a couple of them uh, and I grew up around them but he knew he knew everything about them 
and he was just a he's just a great guy. So in looking at this this morning, he was part of us, New Day. COVID hit, we, I haven't seen much of him in the past couple of years because of all that. But he was with us a long time. Will you pray with me for his family right now, for his children and his loved ones? He's in heaven. He couldn't, how's he doing? Fantastic. Just man made perfect. Can he bear that? In the arms of his Savior. Jesus wiping away every tear. Amazing. The sting is on this side, isn't it? Let's pray for his family. Lord, we just lift up the Manjameli family to you. The children and the grandchildren, and the friends that he had, and the people that he was around and influenced, those who will feel the sting of loss, gather them up in your arms. We pray for them this day. Comfort them, Holy Spirit, as only you can comfort knowing that they need to look towards the eternal one to see eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, so there's two scriptures up there, and I want to look at what I just introduced to you. Now, remember, pay attention to the pronouns here and, and how they're written. Uh, it's third person uh, in all of it. So John writes in 1 John 3.16, By this we know love because he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives, uh, he writes, for the brethren that meant for the whole church. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God dwell and abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. By this we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemns us, now this sounds like it should be a personal scripture. If our heart, heart is singular, but our is plural, if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. The we is together. I like being around confident people who don't walk in shame and condemnation, who know who they are. So much stuff about identity today. To walk in agreement with other people and go, I'm of God. I, I'm, a, I'm a Christian. This is the way I live. And this is the way we live. There's something that happens in my heart when I hear that other people think and feel and act in that same way. And, it, and you recognize it. Well, you know, um, do you guys, anybody remember the Southwest Radio Bible Church? Huh? So it was a great influence over, over the Midwest in our nation. It reached far and wide for years and years and years. So they always started the broadcast with this. God is on his throne and prayer changes things. It meant there was an open universe and you could talk to God and God knew who was in charge. And they started every broadcast that way. And I went, oh, yeah, that's so good. That's so good. It's just like... Grace and peace to you from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. It was something that, that gets inside of us. 
It's that we're together in this. We're in this together. Look at 1 John 4, verse 7. He does it again. He says, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. We can do this together, and the sight of us loving each other is a reference to who God is. Isn't that amazing? God identifies who God is in his being by how we love one another. How, how is that true? Let's think of what Jesus told his disciples. They'll know you belong to me when they see your love for each other. It's an amazing concept. So, through all this, I want, I want you to notice something. And this is, this is my way of sharing my heart and my study and my research with you. John is using a very familiar term used throughout the New Testament by both he and Paul, who wrote the majority, to address us as joined together, or plural, and it's, um, it's the words that are translated into English actually from one Greek word, and that's the let us. So the two English words, let us, is a term. It's used, I'm, I'm telling you, through the whole uh, New Testament, that term is used... Uh, it's profound and it's used in a, a profound way and it's misapplied and misunderstood profoundly. Um, it, it, so here's the, the Greek word is, is this, I'll try not to butcher it. It, proser um, It's It's actually, uh, it, it's a funny word because we go let us, let meaning if you let something happen, it means you're allowing that to happen. So that's what we think in English. That's not what that word means. You're not allowing something to happen. It actually, it literally means to come near, to visit, uh, to assent to in the sense of agreeing to do something together, a little bit by consent, but mostly it's, a, it's not allowing something, but it's much more aggressive. It means to initiate something. doesn't mean, oh, well, let's see what happens here. In American idioms, that's kind of what we mean. What's, what are we going to allow here uh, going on? But the Greek tense doesn't mean that. It actually, it's a word of action. Um, it's something that is not just to occur, but that we're to go after and generate. Isn't that interesting? More than just a passive agreement, it is a group participation by engaging in something. So that's why it's always let us. Because the, the Greek singular word means something. Here's what's interesting if you're a researcher. The singular word means something plural. It means together. It's related to the Greek word proskineu. Anybody ever heard that word before? You have in English lots of times. Proskuneo is translated into English, worship. Proskuneo actually is a particular type of worship, and it is best described more than it's defined. Um, one description of it in one of the commentaries is this. As a dog licks its master's hand, so is my worship towards you, God. 
Now, how many of you are dog lovers? Three of you? I know more than you. You guys got dogs. Your dogs bark at me when I come over. And this is something that drives some people nuts about dogs. But they come on, dogs are all over you, you know. Cats are disdainful. Cats are like, I don't need you, human slave. <laughs> Cats are, you know, I don't want to do that. I'm not going to obey you. Dogs are like, what can I do? What can I do? Where are we going, Wilbur? Where are we going? Can we go outside together? I'm so happy to see you. I'm so happy. You know, and their whole bodies wag. And then they lick you. You know, it's, part of me doesn't like that so much about dogs. And I can't, if you do that, it's okay. But I'm not being critical of this. Like people getting in dog's face. I was a dog handler in the military for seven years. And a dog's mouth has more bacteria in it than just about any other thing walking on the planet. And if you ever get dog bit, you'll understand that because they irrigate the wound to clean it out because it's, the worst thing is it gets infection. Anyway, dogs like to lick. It's how they show things. And it's interesting that worship and that sense of loyalty that a dog has to humans and the need that they have to relate to us, man's best friend, that's a word implied in the Greek for worship. I love you, God. Let's go for a walk. I love you, Lord. Take me outside. Pet me. Let me know that you, that you like me. Let us means to worship God together that way. We, we want you, God. We need you. You're the air I breathe. Everything that we sang this morning. Our practice of eternal life and knowing and receiving God's love is to be understood and practiced Together, I can get man on my, you know, so many times the Lord's, I mean, his presence is with me all the time. I'm the most highly favored person on the earth. And uh, God just likes me. It's incredible, you know. Um, I think I long to be called Enoch, you know. Enoch walked with God and he was not. I just, you know, there's that sense, but through Christ, if Enoch was here, Enoch would walk with God and he would be in our midst. Because it's, it's this corporate idea. The very practice of this, John, through all of his writings in 1 John, he calls that practice, one word, love. It is love, though, with multiple and layered meanings that reflect the corporate idea of what worship is. Whenever you see John talking about love, it moves in and out of worship with the let us love one another. What does that mean? Another way of John saying this is when we love each other, we're worshiping God. Another way of John saying this is when... Uh, we are practicing righteousness together. We're worshiping God. We're worshiping when we believe something together. We're worshiping when we gather together in the name of worshiping God. And it's so much more profound than what we understand. 
I've always had a difficult time in addressing like things like church attendance or come and be a part or you know do this. It's just like with Rich this morning. I wanted to go, oh, there you are, brother. I just, you know, just to see him leading and singing in worship this morning and being a part of that. Town, just, you know, because I've known Rich for so long and I always knew that was there. And uh, I used to poke him about doing it. And then, I don't know, the Lord, when the Lord pokes, it's the right timing. But it was for us. Somebody singing was for us. Somebody playing was for us. And God received worship in it. It's part of what makes us distinct. Um, just as we're individually called to be worshipers of God and, you know, and engaging uh, in so much free, you know, worship is a free will offering, it's been said. And all of that's really, really true. But it's really, when we do that together, that unification, um, you know, the word unified isn't ever really used in the New Testament, but communion is. Because the idea is it's mixed in with God. That's where we get our word community. Jesus set each of us free so that we could be us, his body. Christ, as our communion, established in the new and never-ending covenant, by his blood, it says, and that we can rest our full assurance of faith that he's made us righteous is us being together, not separate. I will never fully understand faith without you. I'll never fully understand righteousness without you, but I make mistakes all the time. I won't understand righteousness without you. It's impossible. There's a, this... When we love each other, all the things that are the eternal things come to bear weight in our hearts. Um, I have the thing inside of me now that the writer of Hebrews talked about when he said full assurance of faith. And we're going we're, we're gonna to look at that. Um, John, and he addresses it. And even the writer of Hebrews, when you look at it, it's not an individual thing. What I know of faith is not what God took me through, but what God took us through. Whoever the us is, maybe it's your family members, maybe it's people here, but it is us. The, uh, the writer of Hebrews that I think, I believe was Paul, um, he does the same thing. He uses that same phrase, let us. So you got to keep that in mind. Listen to this. This is verse 19 of Hebrews 10. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us, through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us, there's that term, draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, 
having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. That was 2,000 years ago. The day's even closer now. Verse 19, the having boldness uh, doesn't mean a brash or arrogant way. Boldness is a trust in the grace of God that you're not coming on your own merit. I'm not bold because I'm going to get what I demand. I'm bold because he made a way for me to do it. You get to enter boldly because of what Jesus did. By his blood, it says. Boldness is not individualized, though. It's corporate. I'm more bold with you than I am without you. Oh, you should hear my prayers when I'm I'm all alone. Uh, you know, most of my prayers when I'm alone are weak and filled with trust. But there's something that emboldens the human hearts that when we pray together, when I hear you pray, when I hear you sing, my heart becomes emboldened with it. So the, the writer moves into immediately the corporate understanding. It's meant to affect all. It's meant to bring unity. It's meant to be the foundation of why we get together, isn't it? Why we're called church. <laughs> Let us draw near with a true heart. And then you go, well, what's a true heart? So now we get to look at each other, right? Remember I talked about that a couple weeks ago, how, how Jesus measures things. True heart, by if you, if you study out the Greek here, means sincerity. It's not a measuring device to see if you did it correctly. If you're using true heart as a demarcation of whether you're okay or not, um, you're using it incorrectly. A true heart is just a sincere heart that wants God. Do you want God? I, I do. I, I, want, I want to see God all the time. I see him quite a bit. But I... Uh, the heart is so symbolic of the inner man, and, uh, and here's the good news. Christ has covered your inner man with his righteousness. Stunning. So that when your heart gets a little wonky, and you're going, I don't know, he's already there covering and go, I did, I knew. And I, I knew that you could waver, but you have a true heart, you know? I don't know if it's like Dick Tracy's true heart from, you know, from the... Some of you wouldn't know what that is, but uh, Beth Truthheart. Uh, it, it just means a sincerity, not necessarily a purity. Because he says later, our hearts have to be what? Sprinkled, our conscience sprinkled. So if, I'm trusting that we can do this in deep sincerity together. Remember back at 1 John 3, what we read earlier. If our hearts condemn us, God is what? greater than our hearts. We have a trump card continually. I'm not referring to politics. We have the great trump card from Jesus. He's my all in all. We can sing he is the air I breathe because he is. We can do that 
because He's with us and among us. And He's greater than all the human failings. And so when I get together with you and see human failings, I know one thing. God is going to show His hand. Think about your own human failings now. Your own little weaknesses. Each of us have them. Some of us have petty weaknesses. But we each have a way of being weak. And every time that we get weak, God wants to show himself strong. We're focused on the weak part, and God's focused on the strong. He is my strength. We sing songs about it. When I walk through the darkness, I don't walk through very much darkness anymore. I don't like it. I I just don't. I've been walking in the light a long time, and I don't like dark places. I don't like dark things. Even when the commercials come on on the channel, I mute it or switch the channel. I usually mute it and look the other way. I go, no, 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 no. Because darkness begets darkness. And the minute I watch darkness, I have a bad dream. Well, you're just sensitive and you're like wired that way. I don't care what you call it. I don't want it to affect us. I don't do it just for me. I do it for us so that I'm different I want to be different do you want to be I, I really want, I don't want to First John says don't love the world or the things of the world I don't want to be identified with that and I certainly don't want to watch bad stuff to make me feel bad bad and dark and then I got to cry out to the light. I never understood roller coasters. What's that got to do with it? Why on earth would you ride something that's designed to scare the bejeebers out of you? Mm -mm. I called worlds of fun, worlds of boredom. Because I read a book while I took kids that went like you know I hate that sound going up to the top. He, obviously, I did it a couple of times for the sake of others. <laughs> you know, it was like walking up my back stairs when I was little to go upstairs to the lone bedroom when after my brother had moved out and the steps always creaked, you know. And the light was at the top and it was on a pull string. So the light would still be on downstairs, but you'd look upstairs and it'd be dark and I'd go up the stairs, especially in the winter time, and each step it would go. <laughs> and after about three of them, it would be. <laughs> grab that light, get back in the light. Were you scared of the dark when you were little? Heck yeah. That took getting into the military and having a gun and a dog by my side to be in total darkness in Turkey where there was no lights. And then, and then the dark dog would go on alert in the dark. And I'd go, no, 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 no. Nothing there, nothing there. Just stay right here by my side. Actually, I got over the dark a lot earlier than that, but we don't walk in darkness. Walk in light. And we do that with a deeper sense when we're together. Just as he's in the light, so are we. We're designed for this, to walk this way. Together, let us do this stuff. Together. Um, 
think we're going to notice over the next few years how important this really is. It's not a warning. But everything's designed to separate us, to quarantine us, to get us to be away from each other and alone for each other. There's design of darkness in there. What's the design of light? Don't forsake the gathering together. Because in it you find the worship of God. Not just in music, in the talk, in the looking at each other's kids. Oh, you lost a tooth. In, in being able to identify that and go, ah, oh, that's grand. You're growing up. There's, that's worship to God because we're in it together. We're in this together. Um, it's not that I can't do it alone. I can do it alone. I'd rather do it with you. When I see you in the light, it does something to my heart that lifts it up. When I see somebody else knowing, you know, it's funny because I'll just close with this. Sam and I were talking and about how sometimes it's hard to get up on Sunday mornings and you got to get all the kids ready. And I went, oh yeah, I remember that. It's a pretty good effort just to get me ready. <laughs> I said, yeah, you're right. So I, I just want to say this. I, I'm glad you do it. I, I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad that you do it. And every time you do it, when you don't feel like doing it, God's looking down going, you're worshiping me. So every time the alarm goes off on a Sunday morning, you're going, oh, God. Just remember, let us. And that you, you doing that in your hearts, it does something for somebody else. It's there. God's in our midst. Let's pray. Lord, we don't fully understand the let us. But we know it's designed to bring full assurance of faith. We don't always understand and whether that's just getting through life or boredom or, or darkness. But in your light, we see light. When I see the others I love, light happens. Let light be in our midst. Let the encouragement of what John wrote in 1 John be a letter to us and to our human hearts that we would be lifted up. In Jesus' name, amen. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Lord, lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. amen. Do you love on each other as you go? Thanks.